I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, and welcome to Maths Appeal. I'm Bobby Seagull. And I'm Susan Okereke. And our aim is to make maths accessible for everyone. Here's a question for you, Susan. When you tell people you're a maths teacher, what reaction do you generally get? Generally, some nine out of ten times, I'm met with a look of horror and I hear something along the lines of, oh my God, I was rubbish at maths at school. And that's not always the best way to start a conversation. Uh, So sadly, the response is often really negative, but I'm sure I wouldn't get that if I was a geography teacher or a history Mm. teacher, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, it's the same here, really. And, And that's part of the reason why we're making Maths Appeal, because we really want to show that everyone can do maths and they might actually enjoy it as well. So every week, Bobby and I will focus on a specific fundamental math topic and share our experiences of teaching it in the classroom, also reflecting on what we've observed are the main difficulties uh, in grasping the topic and we'll discuss how these topics relate to everyday life. You know me, I love a good quiz, so (laughs) I'll set a puzzle or a question related to that topic. And to give everyone time to work out this puzzle... We'll then hear from a special guest. And this week, we've got the second part of our interview with math legend Johnny Ball. If you missed part one, and why, <laughs> have a listen to our first podcast. And in part two, we discuss teaching methods around the world and over the decades to talk about how we can make maths more engaging at school. And then we'll return to Bobby's puzzle and compare our answers and discuss how we got our solutions. But before we tackle today's topic, types of numbers... I just want to quickly say thank you for choosing our podcast when there are so many out there to choose from. If you can subscribe, tell your friends to subscribe and even give a nice rating, we'll give you a virtual high five and send you very good maths vibes. Yeah, and you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram where at Maths Appeal. So come and say hello. So let's get into it. Let's talk about types of numbers. So what we're thinking about here are things like understanding the difference between odd and even numbers, thinking about times tables, square numbers, cube numbers, prime numbers. These are all special numbers that have relationships and we want to think about how best to deliver them. So the way we break down this this section is uh, we set three questions that Bobby and I think about and then we discuss and share them, share our answers as teachers obviously have different styles. So the questions that we reflect on are what first comes to mind when you think about this topic, types of number? Two, how do you teach this topic or introduce it to your students? And three, what are the common issues that arise when teaching this topic? So Bobby, tell me when you first started thinking about this topic, what first came to mind? Sheep. You know what? <laughs> you know why? <laughs> Tell me. We count. Sheep. One, two, uh, yes. three sheep. And again, these are uh, people's first experience of numbers. Yeah. Um, and these are called the counting or the natural numbers. So you do, not a zero. I mean, some people do include zero, but zero, one, two, three. Uh, and that for me is like the basis of numbers. But also one thing is that I always find the word numbers is less scary than maths. Yeah. Yeah, so if you say, if you say you know, talk, talk to me about maths, people get a bit scared. But numbers, most people 
feel that they can count. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> um, when I thought about the whole idea of types of numbers, it kind of was something that really I really enjoyed when we were, when I was doing my degree. So the idea of like setting things, I quite like ordering things, putting things into specific groups, looking at relationships. But I also kind of realised that with a lot of these things, it's really to do with patterns. And that's something I think that can sometimes be lost um, when we're delivering it. We kind of maybe focus just on the how the numbers look as opposed to what they might look like on something like a 1 to 100 grid. And that, when I think about times tables, a 1 to 100 grid is kind of an incredible resource. And also another thing when I first thought about it was when I teach people, students, a big difference between students who do really well I think or perform well is a lot of them are very confident about these number facts so they kind of have them as a default so you were to ask them about uh, square numbers they'd know them without thinking about it if you ask them you know like what the six that six times table was they'd kind of know what it is without having to think about it and just by having that as a base you know and learning it to a variety of ways that is incredible amount of advantage I think for being able to access more complex things yeah so the numbers are like the things like the number bonds mm. the number facts the times tables these are the absolute critical building blocks and without these even students that are bright and capable mm. they're going to flounder when we get to more challenging maths that you know year 9 year 10 year 11 at GCSE yeah. they need these sort of number facts completely bolt on so when I when I try now when I try and introduce and get students to sort of think about learning these facts I like to start visual I know that there's been a bit of a debate about should we do rote learning should people kind of understand what's happening in a more kind of conceptual way I think I personally think it's a bit of both so I think the introduction visually where you have as I say you know, if you think about times tables if you think about you know three times four have you, you know what arrays are? Of course, you yeah. yeah. But for people who don't know what arrays are, it's effectively like dots in rows. So three times four would effectively be three dots in a row, but there'd be four rows of them. And if you were to say it'd be three times four, and that would equal, if you counted all the dots, that would be 12. And you can do that with every times table. Yeah, and I've actually used that method with some of my students that really struggle with numbers, even ones that have like dyscalculia. Mm. Have, you, have you heard of dyscalculia? It's, like the, it's almost like the equivalent of dyslexia for numbers. It's so it's where people have like genuine sort of learning difficulties in numbers. And I've done the, the dot method. Yeah. And it really helps them to see, oh, I can see what three times four is. And it's amazing as well for kind of being able to reverse that and then seeing that, you know, 12 divided by three is four or 12 divided by four is three and it's the relationship there and I think a key thing for learning these sort of number facts is really to kind of connect them to what they look like you know like through arrays and so things like square numbers you do it as an array and that's effectively it looks like a square so two times two is two across and two down three times three three squared is three across and three down nine and it's that thing of once there's a visual some people are much better at remembering these things when it's connected to a visual which they don't have to remember later mm. but as they're learning it is quite kind of useful and also the idea of the 100 square you know we've got one to 100 but it goes one two three four five six seven eight nine ten and then you kind of have like the 20s the 30s the mm-hmm. 40s the 50s underneath up to 100 and then getting students to color in all the odd numbers and they see that they're effectively in columns or getting them to color in the five times table and you notice that it's all, all the numbers that end in five and all the numbers that end in zero yeah. and suddenly you, you're able to kind of notice things and make kind of decisions efficient math decisions about you know what to divide by or whatever because you kind of know without even having to work stuff out I and mean, then that's where 
I think a lot of people's confidence in maths can really jump mm. when they know these kind of basic facts and they're like in them. Yeah. Actually, when you were talking about the visual and the diagram, I actually was thinking of the uh, Singapore method. Okay. Because you know, like they've got the this like, three stages, the concrete, mm. the pictorial or the visual and the abstract. And the concrete's like when we first start out with like, the blocks, or, you know, the Dean blocks or yeah. you're counting things one, two, three or one, two, three cars. And the pictorial is when they can see it on a piece of paper, whereas the three cars or the colour, the patterns of the fives and the mm. ten times table. And the abstract is what we're trying to get them to do, just to think of the numbers. Because ideally, we want students to move away from the, the, the sort of the ray, the, the, the grid method of, you know, putting three dots in um, four columns of that yeah. uh, to actually thinking in their head, ah, oh, three times four, I can see that as a, as a number 12. But also I think what you kind of want longer term is beyond that is when you're introducing it, yes, I think the arrays are useful, but you kind of want to be able to say to somebody three times four equals 12 without even having to think about yeah. it. And that's like the bigger picture, isn't it? It's like not having to think about uh, the working out because actually that takes up a lot of your working memory. Yeah. And actually there's a game. So like I like to introduce it visually, but then the target, my target, is to get the kids to just know it. And have you ever played ping pong? No, I mean, I play table tennis. But... Ah, this is a maths game ping pong. Ooh. And how it was like call and response. And it, so things like, so say we did, were to do square numbers. I'd say ping, you'd say pong. Pong. And then if I was to say three, you'd say... Nine. Squaring five is... 25. Right, so how you do it is to try and... You, you, the game is you're meant to do it in a smooth rhythm. So I say ping. I say pong. Pong, yeah. I say four, you'd say... 16. I say ping. I say pong. Two. Four. Ping. Pong. Three. Ah, yeah. Nine. Ah, yeah. it's like a rally going on. Exactly. And so the whole point is, over time, it should be quite a smooth thing. And it's actually... You're jumping around and you can do that with number bonds to 10. You can do that with times tables. Oh, I love that. So I it's just, really, yeah. I'm going to steal this from my class. Totally. It's really <laughs> it's surprising as well how engaged they can be. So that's like the bigger picture. And so on the back of that then, so when you're delivering this, where what are the big issues your kids have? I think with numbers, just to make sure that they realise that certain things are the same, like 1.0 is the same as one yeah. which is the same as 10 over 10 i mean these are topics that we'll discuss in future podcasts mm-hmm. but they seem to think they're different things but actually numbers can be equivalent yeah i think as you say it's a different ways of uh, representing things but uh for me is a big thing is just kind of get them to remember over time you know that's like the bigger the biggest aim and that's where a lot of students i think because it's not because they're just thinking about what the number is and they get really worried about working out trying to get them to just know it without having to think is kind of the key. But that's a working memory load you're thinking. Yeah. yeah. So working memory load and also what it comes down to is practice and like, and hopefully as well, not just at school, but also parents at home can play games with the, with, with the, the kids because the games are where people like, that's how people learn to count. Yeah. Gamification. That's the word. Well, that's kind of, that's what we try and, well, I'm hoping to try and encourage, but you know, that's, that would be like a massive aim, I think. Or podification, getting people to learn through podcasts. Hey, <laughs> here we are. So talking of gamification, Bobby, you've got a puzzle for us based on types of numbers. So hit it. So it's a Christmas gift for you. So ahead of Christmas Day, a grandmother met her two grandchildren. They said to her, sorry, grandma, but we forgot to get you a Christmas gift. Bad grandchildren. Um, so instead, we have a mathematical treat for you, grandma. I've noticed that if you square my age and square my younger brother's age and add the total up and then finally square root that total, we get what your age was 50 years ago. 
Okay, firstly, very clever grandchildren. <laughs> but the puzzle for our listener is, assuming there's a three-year gap between the two children and the grandmother is not yet old enough to get an official 100th uh, birthday message from the Queen, what are the ages of the grandmother and her two grandchildren? So... One more time, Bobby. So I've just got, I've got half of that information down. So one more time, tell me. So the grandkid said, if you square my age and square my younger brother's age and add that total up and then square root that total, they get the age of their grandmother 50 years ago. And then you have to make an assumption that there's a three-year gap between the ages of the two children and then the grandmother is less than 100 years old. So you have to work out the age of the grandmother and the true grandkids. And they didn't buy her a present for her birthday? Because it's a puzzle. What oh. more do you need? You're quite right. You're quite right. <laughs> so while you're working this out, let's hear from one of Britain's best love maths champions, Johnny Ball. You might remember him from his TV shows like Think of a Number, Know How, or Johnny Ball Reveals All. He's also written loads of books. And in this part of the interview, we talk about his latest one, Wonders Beyond Numbers. So you hear references to names like Gauss, Euler, Newton, Einstein, Turing and Kukule, some of whom you may know, but some of whom you might not. Johnny also mentioned his maths musical and the stage shows. It's kind of amazing to realise how far and wide his maths message went over the decades. But as he says, he's never been a maths teacher. So in our conversation, we discuss maths education and attitudes towards maths. Over to you, Bobby. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you think there are differences in attitude towards mathematics in different countries? Like, again, I'll compare my... So my family originally from India, my parents are. And my cousins in India, they all are better than my cousins in the UK. We're all, okay, assuming they're all from the same gene pool, they're all been naughty. Yeah, no. Oh, yes. And and the Chinese, you know. I I don't think anybody in China or India... I don't think one parent says, oh, I hate it, maths. Oh, I hate maths. I don't think one parent does it. I don't think one parent would ever dream of doing that in front of their children. But we do. All the time. It's funny because um, I think it's kind of, I think actually it's a bit of a problem for, for Britain and I think America on some level. I think loads of other countries and that's like across Europe even, I think are actually generally, they have a more, um, have a much more respect for the attitude to mathematics. But in Britain, definitely not. And there's, a, there's another side to this, this coin. They, they brought China... What, what happened then? They, they announced they were bringing... Oh, right. They announced they were bringing uh, 100 Chinese uh, teachers, teachers yeah. a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, that was when my book, Think of a Number, was mm. selling, I don't know, 60,000 a year in Beijing alone. Oh, wow. You know, and it's my mass book, you see. And it's wow. selling over there. The thing about it is, it's not necessary, not necessarily so, that the fact that they get on with mass and work so well and their worth ethic is so good, it doesn't necessarily mean that when they become adults, they are good at lateral thinking. Mm -hmm. it, it's very often, and what the Chinese teachers said, they had a lot of bad things to say about British education, no question about that, but they had some good things. And one of the good things they said, your kids are a joy to play with and to work with because they're so diverse and they all have their own personalities and they're not regimented and, and we love that. And from that, you get lots of different questions and different way of exploring mathematics and we love that we don't get that in China and no, you don't get it in Singapore and things like that because it's a more rigid system mm. but the rigidity can mean that although you function well and your results are brilliant you aren't necessarily going to be a lateral thinker mm. because you haven't practiced lateral thinking because your mind hasn't been allowed to go left or right it's down the corridor of, edu of, of education um, so the lack know. of creativity on something. It can be, and I'm, I'm not saying it's a general general statement. And mm -hmm. but I'm 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 trying to defend our, our maths teaching. And sometimes I wonder why. However, yeah, I think I think it's one, I've never taught. You see, oh, wow. I've never I never get the same audience twice. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Where I've never taught. Mm -hmm. Of course I've taught, and mm -hmm. of course they pick things up from me. But I've. I, I can pick and choose and take them to things, places that are exciting, you know. So when we do our lessons, we have like a, we've got our exciting wow lessons, but we've got a lot of lessons that just need to get through yeah. material oh, yeah. that's not yeah. so exciting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think one of the big issues, I think we've, we've talked about this before, is the, the focus on exam mm. passing, exam results, which I think, you know, it's necessary yeah. on some level in, in the, 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 this day and age, but it does kind of strangle mm. hold the subject because yeah. we're trying to get kids ready to pass an exam over loving the subject, yeah. over really taking in, yeah. you know, the wow, wonder. That's of it, right, which and, is and you don't have time. The curriculum doesn't allow you the time to go off in a tangent mm. as, as much as you should. Mm. So I've I've said to teachers, and I said, please forgive me if you think this is impossible. Mm. And it's more impossible now than it was when I spoke 20 years ago. But generally, 20 years, I think it was possible. I said, if you can teach the mass curriculum that is there for you to get over this year, if you can teach that in half the mathematics time and take them where the hell you want to take them in the other half of the mathematics time, you'll find they'll love maths much more. And they'll even do the maths you want them to do on the curriculum much better because of the variety they're getting, and because they've been allowed mm. to think sideways. So that's easy for me to say if I'm not a teacher, mm. if you can teach it in half the time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know, I know. That's but some, some teachers have come back and said, oh, I always have, you mm. see. And some people will say, oh, you can't, that's impossible, mm. you know. And um, so, so it, it varies. And, and the other thing is with teachers, you, you've got to conform with the team you're in, in each school, you know. And so you've got other constraints there. It's, it's very difficult. But now there is no extra money. So you don't get people coming in enthusing about the subject. You don't 
get people coming and talking about their subject. Not so much, you know. There's nothing on television to encourage. Uh, there's really, nothing there, you know. you know, it's terrible. Maybe talk a little bit about your, your book, because um, with right. regards to, because it's affected the history or... Yeah, I got it recently, and I, I'm already like, I dipped in and out, and I just love the idea of someone taking to us the whole of mathematics. Yeah. So I found like some writers have like specific periods that they prefer, and they just focus on that. Whereas you've just taken us through the whole. Well, well, that's four hundred and eighty pages. Yeah. Believe me, I I lay I get to Gauss, and and not even the bit around him and and Euler, and I get to them, and I get to Newton, and I get to Einstein, and and, and even a bit of Turing, but there's nothing around them, and of course, there's a huge of mathematicians that I have because that would take another 480 pages because because it gets richer and richer you see so so finishing the book was the most difficult that's why the chapter 14 is the basic the simple mathematics that underpin science and I mean the simple I mean for instance Faraday who was never considered a mathematician at all he was the one who said hydrogen is different to oxygen and that's different to carbon and They've got valences. How the heck did he know? How the heck did he know that hydrogen has one hand, the oxygen has got two, the carbon might possibly have four? How did he come up with that? And then you get Kukuli, who wrote these little diagrams, sausage diagrams, and then he dreamt of the ring of the carbon atoms like monkeys grabbing each other's tails. And and it's beautiful. So that is such basic math. It's it's a real shame that there's there's not more promoting maths currently, you know, in the general psyche, if you know what I mean. They they, they don't understand. So I go to book fairs at York, Pendley, and they said, you did pull the biggest audience for the whole festival, wow. you know, and you sold more books, you know. People do love maths, you know. It's weird, I think it's a weird, like, kind of unwritten narrative. Well, it's not even written that it's like people don't like it, but actually, day to day, even though it was challenging, I, I know people love it. I know kids mm. enjoy it, but yeah. but they also... They like admitting it? Or? Yeah, they, but they don't like admitting it, but also I think that some of them have heard their parents be so negative about it that they believe that they don't like it, even if they're weirdly enjoying doing yeah. some work. It's, it's yeah. so it's such a strange thing to be trying to fight. Yeah. I, once, yeah, mm. I once wrote a rap, but I never <laughs> used it. I, I, yeah. And I, what I did, and it was a rap for basically nine to... Oh, this is the other thing I've always done. With the musicals, I'm a roadshow. The shows are for nine to 13-year-olds. And education said, well, you can't do that. That's primary and secondary. Oh, it's no. necessary. Oh, it's so necessary. Uh-huh. There's a massive drop-off of um, students' enjoyment and love of maths hitting 11, really, when they go to secondary school. Yeah. So their primary school, it, they, they generally... I mean, this is, again, it's, 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 having read a bit of stuff... Schools are very bad at, at tying it together. Oh, it's massive. At, it's at tying it together. Yeah. You know, they go ploughing on and say, do you know this? Have you done this? Oh, heck. Oh, well, never mind. We'll plough on. You know, mm. instead of recapping, you're almost going to come back. We, I was, I, vote, I worked and, or worked with and, and did a report on what was required for the curriculum to improve it. Because since the 50s, there's no question that maths is being taught much slower now. Oh, wow. And uh, much, much slower now. When's, when's trigonometry taught now? GCSE. GCSE. So, mm. so yeah. 13. Yeah. But, it's, but, but, it's, but I taught myself. 
But you know, but you're, you're, you were gifted, not gifted, but like you're obviously confident with yeah. it. There's a lot, yeah. like yeah. I, I think you were probably in top set in school, yeah. Bobby, yeah. You, you yeah. obviously are very capable. I was at top set yeah. at school. And having now taught with, taught a variety of kids from a variety of backgrounds and also from a variety of sets, attainment sets. And you know, when you're confident in maths, even if you find it difficult, mm-hmm. your general, your basics are quite good. Mm-hmm. What's mind blowing for me over the last few years is just seeing how many people's basics are, s- are really poor. Mm-hmm. So the times tables. It's really can't. basics. Yeah. Also, number bonds to ten. When you mm-hmm. say to a child like, yeah. se- what, what makes ten from seven? seven three, six but some of them are like counting in their hands. I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't have that, there's no way you can. Yeah, that's right. Which is why I say the numbers have got to yeah. be up there, and yeah, you know, yeah. and the answers going to be up there yeah. for them to see. And you know, if you want to do that, you can, you can go one to ten and ten mm-hmm. to one the mm-hmm. other side. I mean, yeah. they see it, it's and beautiful. They're all, they're all obviously yeah, each other, yeah. you know. And the pattern's there. But it's, you know what, it's playing around with the patterns and all that yeah. stuff, but it's something that secondary school teachers, well, definitely for me, the time element, you seem feel really pressured into moving on when actually yeah. that's the one thing you shouldn't do. <laughs> yeah. You should spend your time, like, making sure the kids understand and playing around with yeah. it. And I think that's that's the real challenge I think a lot of us have, yeah. is, like, yeah. how much time do you spend playing or trying to play and how much do you have to get through to the next test or yeah. whatever? Yeah. You know. know, this has been wonderful, Johnny. Thank you very much. So wonderful. Yeah. You really have. It's been great to hear your story and you know to kind of remind us why we're doing it as well. Yeah, it's yeah. Like a, you've you inspired like, millions of people in this country mm. to have a positive. It, it's, yes, it's been absolutely lovely, and and to think it was something that I didn't, that wasn't planned, that slowly unfolded. That's the joy of it. It really is. So that was really brilliant, sort of meeting him, wasn't it? It was just a sense of enthusiasm and joy again just comes through, it emanates from the interview. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny, he's kind of, he is sort of saying a lot of the stuff we were talking about before about, you know, students being kind of being confident with number and things like that. But it's it's interesting, there's a lot of challenges that, he, you know, he as he says himself, he's not a teacher, and this whole idea of, like, encouraging the joy and the play of mathematics and how I think a lot of maths teachers really do love it as a subject but the sad thing is when they go into the classroom there's so many other pressures and we are encouraged well it feels like we're encouraged to plow on and to go through even if the students aren't necessarily getting it but we've got a test in a few weeks Mm, time schemes of learning to plow through and you know and that whole like him encouraging telling us to like go off on a tangent which i think is amazing but can you imagine was it finishing the work kind of teaching everything in half of the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah no. No, so if you're a teacher you're probably laughing at that <laughs> yeah because uh doesn't that's not very yeah no, it probably won't happen in my class no but i mean i, I love is the sentiment of it i think if we were to encourage more play yeah. within the classroom there'd be a lot more people who would say they love the subject and would be much more inclined to take it further but that's kind of trying to strike that balance is actually quite quite tough but you know speaking to somebody who obviously mature legends as he is but still so enthusiastic about it was really brilliant yeah i think uh, to have you know britain needs more people like him just leading the way and saying maths is cool maths is fun he also talked about maths rap i'm really sad we didn't get a chance to really hear it because he kind of went off on his own i guess you've got me in the in the studio today do you have uh, any any bars to spit again yeah i do i do although my students normally they would tell me off because normally they say mr seagull you can't you can't do any bars without a backing track but i'll I'll go a cappella do you want me to do a beat for you? Yeah, go on. No, it. sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I don't think... Should I? Have a go, have a go. Okay. <laughs> it's 
students say Mr. Seagull, you can call me Bobby. You see, maths and me is more than just a hobby. Two twos the four, and four twos the eight. Starting with your tables will be just great. Trigonometry is all about the angle. Ratio sine cause, but don't get in a tangle. Area of a circle, pi r squared. Pi times two r, circumference if you can. Y equals m to c is just a straight line. And the gradient, see the intercept be mine. Numerator of a denominator. Better get it right, oh, Mr. Seagull. Oh, I think I messed up the last bit, but who cares? Oh, sorry, I just... <laughs> in, beat in, beat out. Yeah, yeah smash that. Matt's yeah. appeal in your face. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's time for us to go through the puzzle. It is, it is. Uh, and so can you recap it? Is that okay, yes. Mr. Seagull? So we had two clever little grandchildren and the mathematical puzzle for their grandma who will have no presents. It's a bit of a shame, but that's okay. We'll continue. Okay. So uh, the treat was, one of the grandchildren said, if you square my age and square my younger brother's age and add them up, and then you square root that number, you'll get the grandmother's age 50 years ago. And the assumption was there's a three-year age gap between the two children and the grandmother is less than 100. So what are the ages of all the three people? What is this? I have to say, when you first showed me this puzzle, I was like, what's happening? <laughs> um, but then I, obviously, like, the first thing I would do is write down the information that I'm given. Okay. And then I'm, I'd be really interested to see how you did this, because I put it into an equation, which obviously not everyone's going to do. But by putting it into an equation, I noticed that the two ages squared add together and square rooted plus 50 is the grandmother's age. So I effectively took 50 off. So that meant the two numbers add together and then square rooted are also less than 50 because 50 and 50 are 100 and it's less than 100. So I took 50 off. Following me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And then and then from there, or, seriously, all I then did was I took <laughs> the numbers starting from one and then uh, added on three. So I did one squared plus four squared, yep. which is like... 17 and I did that I did that for all of them until I got to a number it's like you're looking at my notes here almost that's sort of the, my outline of a, a solution possible solution yeah because like, so then I was like oh is there like an easy way of doing this and actually no I don't think there is I, I literally went through adding up square numbers so 2 squared plus 5 squared didn't work 3 squared plus 6 squared didn't work 4 squared plus 7 squared didn't work and all the way down to 9 squared plus 12 squared which is 81 plus 144 Added them together, 225. The square root of 225 is 15. And then that effectively is the age plus 50 for the grandmother, which was 65. Perfect. Yeah, and I think this is an example of a question where you probably need like a bit of pen and paper yeah. and a bit of brute force. The only thing that I might add in terms of speeding up possibly is mm-hmm. 9, 12 and 15 is what's called a Pythagorean triple. Uh. That's the only thing that would have meant. So you're, you're trying to get one square number plus another square number. Equals a square a, number. Another square number. So it's like a triangle, a right angle triangle. So one side, one number squared plus num- another number squared. If you add them both up, you get the, the other number squared. So again, in maths, it's called um, a Pythagorean triple where you get like three squared plus four squared equals five, five squared. squared or six squared plus eight squared equals ten squared. You know, that's not a unique one. Oh, right. But, but for the people who, who, who the whole Pythagorean thing is, you'll pop, some of you might remember from school days, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. That's kind of where that comes from. Yeah. And 
Oh, I didn't even think about that. I did the brute force, worked my way through. But the brute force is, a, is, is a, it'll get you there. Yeah, it totally there. did. Oh, okay. I felt quite proud of myself after, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, well done. <laughs> that was a tricky one. That was a tricky puzzle. So how did you get on with that? If you want to contact us about the puzzle or our methods of working out, get in touch on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, we are at Matt's Appeal and we're going to share our solutions as well. So we put photographs of those up as well. Absolutely. We really hope you've enjoyed this podcast and you'll join us next week. Uh, where we'll be getting to grips with fractions and decimals, as well as hearing from Alex Bellos, Guardian puzzle writer and author of Alex's Adventures in Numberland. Please help us share the maths love by subscribing to this podcast, giving us a five-star review and recommending us to your friends. And I thought we could finish off the day with another maths fact. And Actually, this one was my original edition of my book, The Life-Changing Magic of Numbers, but didn't quite make the cut. So this is like a oh, special, special. So, you know, we we're talking about the whole numbers, the counting numbers. Yep. Zero, one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. If we extend that backwards, like minus one, minus two, minus three, we get what they call integers. Yep. Uh, so these are all the whole numbers, negative, zero and positive. Um, and actually, mathematically, if you're writing down integers, you represent it with the letter Z. Oh, yeah. And students should actually see this by GCSE. But the Z is like, a, you think, where do you get a Z from? And it comes from the German Zahl, Z-A-H-L, which means number. Oh. So integers are all represented by the letter Z. Oh, I did my degree. I had no idea about that. Thank yeah, you, Bobby. A bit of Deutsche for you. Frequency oh. Deutsche. Bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. That's great. And so on that, I'm going to say uh, goodbye from us. This has been Matt Appeal. It's been presented by Susan Okereke and Bobby Seagull. The music's composed by Kelly Okereke. And the image design is by Calix Davis. And the producer, our love producer, is Jenny Nelson. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.